Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Mentioned last week, we're taking two weeks out of Mark to look at our anchors. These are the four commitments that we have as a church that keep us tethered to uh, what God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. And kind of the picture from Isaiah 61 is an oak of righteousness. And so we said we want to have deep roots and we want to have broad branches. We talked about deep roots last week. What are the things that God wants to do in us? Romans 8.29, he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son, the image of Jesus. And then Galatians 5.25, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, we want to keep in step with him. I don't normally say go back and listen, but I would say if, if you're if Stonebridge is your church, you should probably go back and listen last week if you missed, just because it, it'll give you a, a greater sense of what we're trying to do corporately. So I would encourage you to do that. Today we're going to talk about broad branches. So this is what God wants to do through us in the community. But you need to keep in mind what we talked about last week, the rowboat sailboat deal. We want God to work through us, but we're not doing that in our own strength. We're not rowboats, we're sailboats. We're asking the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the things that he's asking us to do. So two, two, the final two anchors today, uh, one from Ephesians 2.10, that God has created good works in advance for us to do. In Jeremiah 29.7, that we want to seek the welfare of the place where God has planted us. Those two things are tightly tied together, but we'll separate them to hopefully bring a little bit of clarity. So Ephesians 2.10 we're God's workmanship or his craftsmanship or his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do, or, or more literally for us to walk in. We're talking lifestyle here, not necessarily these discrete activities or these discrete tasks that we do. This is a way of life. So uh, here we have, it's, it's corny, uh, cliche, we call it doing your deal. The reason we say that, honestly, is when we first started, when I was talking about good works, I was getting lots of, honestly, some pushback. People saying, hey, I thought we were saved by grace. What's all this talk about works? Are we earning our salvation? And I wasn't saying any of those things, but I wasn't able to get to where I wanted to go because people's kind of, the walls were going up as soon as I said good works, which is actually, it's a New Testament phrase. It's throughout the New Testament. But for whatever reason, it causes us to push back a little bit because it sounds a whole lot like earning our salvation. So we have instead the corny phrase, doing your deal. So that's, for us, it's the same thing. But let me give you just a caveat, and you can remember this. Eight and nine come before ten. You, you learned that. Eight and nine come before ten. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of yourself. It's not a result of works so that nobody can boast. 2, 8, and 9 come before 2, 10. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. So you just keep that in mind. We, a, a couple of ways to maybe help see that. Identity precedes activity. Who we are in Jesus always comes before what we do for him. Jesus is our model. At his baptism, before he preached his first sermon, before he taught his first parable, before he healed the first sick person, before he drove out the first demon, the Father says, this is my Son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. Statements of relationship and identity before Jesus does anything. That's the model for us. We're adopted into God's family, 
And then God says, now that you're in my family, now that you're a son or daughter of mine, I'm going to give you a job in the family business. But that relationship comes first. We're saved by grace. There's nothing that we do. We're, it, God chooses to adopt us into his family. And then once he does, he says, I've saved you for a purpose. There's good works that I have prepared in advance for you to do. That sense is very similar to, to Romans 8.29. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We talked about that last week. This idea is something that God decided beforehand. He's also decided beforehand about these good works that he's prepared for us to do. So you just keep that in mind. Remember, 8 and 9 come before 10. If it's easy to get tripped up around that, uh, but I don't want you to. We need to keep those things in order. Our identity in Christ precedes any activity that we do for him. We're adopted into the family before we, b before we work in the family business. So what are these good works? I don't know. I don't know. You, I mean, it's, it's, it's individual. They're good works that he's prepared for you, and those aren't the same ones that he's prepared for me. There's some broad categories, things God has been doing since Adam and Eve. He's been forming a people for himself, and he's been establishing his kingdom. And his kingdom is his rule or his reign. Don't think geography. Think more, more dynamic, his rule and his reign. He's been doing those things since Adam and Eve. We see it in the Old Testament primarily through Israel, and we see it in the New Testament through the church. Those are things God has always been doing. And so when you're thinking about the good works that he's prepared for you to do, they're going to fall under those two headings. You're either help, God's either working through you to form a people, that's the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, or he's working through you to establish his rule and his reign. Jesus says, pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever those good works are, it's your way of cooperating with what God has always been doing. And what God will continue to do, forming a people for himself and establishing his rule and his reign on the earth. And that sounds super intimidating. And you think, I, did, that's, I didn't sign up for that. I'm not qualified for that. That sounds too important. That sounds too significant for me. I want you to, just a couple of things, start, we start really, really small. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's, it becomes a tree, but it starts as a seed. We plant seeds. We don't plant trees. Zechariah 4, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Whatever the good works are that God has created in advance for you to do, they're going to feel insignificant. They may remain so, but they'll certainly begin so. That's how it's going to feel to you. It's not going to feel like you're doing a whole lot. It's not going to feel like you're making much of a difference. Mustard seeds, we always start small, and it's important just to get started. It's easier to steer a moving ship. So I don't want you to get hung up on, is this the right thing? If it's a good thing, just give yourself to it, and the Lord will redirect you as you move. A couple of things for questions that you can begin to ask yourself. How do I know what these good works are? They're ones that God has prepared in advance for us to do, so we discover what he's already decided. We have a class called Deep Roots. We run it twice a year, so you can sign up for that. Our next one will be in January. The one for the fall is full, but you can sign up for the one in January. We, di we dive into all this in greater depth. But in whatever your small group is, in whatever level of Christian community you have, a few questions that you can ask yourself as you begin to discern. And I would just say, start asking, 
God, if you prepared good works for me to do, well, what are they? I'd like to know. And he will begin to lead you in that. Remember last week when we talked about being led, what, what the church says, that's your Christian community, what the Holy Spirit says directly to you, what the Bible says. We want those three things coming into alignment, into agreement. So you want to begin to search the word, asking the Lord directly, talking to your friends. What do you see in me? And the Lord will begin to shine some light. What are these good works? So one of the questions we say is, is you want to look up and you want to ask the Lord, what have you said to me directly? Are there particular scriptures that really resonate in your heart? Particular themes in the Bible that really stir you? Maybe you've had a dream or seen a vision. Maybe someone's prayed for you and they've given you a prophetic word that was meaningful. Maybe you've read a book or you've heard a sermon and it really, really struck you. Are there things that God has spoken directly to you that would help form and shape your understanding of these good works? You want to look in. God's formed you. He's shaped you. He's knit you together. That's Psalm 139. And so how has he formed you and shaped you and knit you together? One of, these, one of the things in particular, I think, is to look at what stirs your emotions. God can speak to us through our emotions. What makes you really angry? In a, in a good, traffic is not like in a good way. <laughs> good, righteous anger. We would all say human trafficking is bad. But for some people... The idea stirs them deeply, either from a sense of compassion, these are people who need to be taken care of, or from a sense of justice, this is just wrong. But there's a deep stirring there, and that may say, hey, this is something that you need to move into. What what, What breaks your heart? What makes you sad? And that may be different for other people. What brings you great joy? Pay attention to your heart. God formed you and he knit you together. And again, if you take Psalm 139 and Ephesians 2.10 and you put them together, these are things that have been going on beforehand. And there's a resonance between how God formed you and shaped you and the good works that he has for you. It's kind of a hand in glove thing. Look back. This is really hard because as Christians, and we think it's humble to say, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any strengths. I'm just regular. That's not humble. That's not honest. God has give, he's gifted you in certain ways, and it's important to know that. Where have you seen fruit? What are the things that people historically have asked you to do? When people come to you, what is it that they're asking of you? How do, where, do people, where, where do you tend to sit on a team? What are you good at? And the answer is not nothing. So here's what's hard. This is why it's important to do this in community. Most likely, the things you, that you're good at, you're good at because you're good at them. It's a strength. And if it's a strength that comes easy to you and you assume, one, that means it's not a big deal because it's not hard, and two, everybody has, anybody can do it, which is also not true. We tend to, we we diminish our strengths. We, again, because they come easy to us, we assume they're not that big a deal. And we also assume everybody else is good at these things as well. That's why it's important to ask these questions in community. It's hard for us to see the lettuce in our teeth, kind of those areas where we need to grow, but it's also hard for us to see the gold that's in our heart. Both of those things are difficult for us to see apart from other people. So honest assessment, maybe talk to the people who know you the best. Where is there fruit in your life? Again, how God has tended to use you in the past is probably an indication of how he wants to use you in the future. So you look up, you look in, you look, you look uh, back, and you look out. Where are you currently engaged With whatever measure of free time or free money that you have, where is that going? 
Is that an indication, again, of where God has already been stirring your heart? You're already giving yourself. Are you, maybe you're coaching. Maybe you're, you're volunteering somewhere. Maybe it, it may not be even that formal. It may just be who you're choosing to spend your time with. And what you're choosing to do with, again, whatever margin of free time you have, that can be an indication of how the Lord is stirring you. I don't want you thinking big and grand. I'm trying to, I'm intentionally not giving you anything specific because I don't want you to grab onto it too tightly. Whatever, your good works are going to be different from mine. But they're all part of what God is doing. Again, he's, he's forming a people and he's establishing his kingdom. And he said to everyone who he's adopted, there's a part for you to play in this. And so I want you to do that. That's one of the things as a church we want to help you discover. We're not going to do it for you, for sure. But we will help you pursue whatever those good works are in whatever ways that we can. Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've sent you in exile. So, little context, Jeremiah 29 is a letter written by Jeremiah. It's God speaking through Jeremiah to the Jews who are living in Babylon. Babylon is an awful, awful, awful nation. They're, they're, they're kind of the epitome of all that's wicked, all that's arrogant, all that stands against God and his people. And that's where most of the Jews are living at the time of Jeremiah 29. Side note, that college verse that's on everybody's mug, I know the plans I have for you, that's Jeremiah 29, 11. And that's written to people who are in the midst of being judged by God, who are living in a godless nation. It puts a different spin on that verse. But Jeremiah 29, 7, it's, 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 again, it's written to this group. And what God is saying to them is very interesting for us and maybe a challenge. Seek, intentionally pursue the welfare. That's one of those massive Old Testament words, shalom, peace, not just absence of conflict, but overall well-being. I want you to actively pursue the overall well-being of Babylon. These people who tore down the wall around your city, who burned down your houses, who looted and destroyed your temple, and who led you in, who deported you who exiled you from your own land. I want you to seek what's best for that group of people. I don't want you to burn the house down. I don't want you to disengage from them. I want you to actively seek their well-being. That's what I want you to do. It's not culture wars. It's a recognition this is where we live. There's no reason to burn down our own house. If, if this place where we're living, if it prospers, well, then we live there. It'll be good for us, too. There's even some self-interest there. But beneath and behind that, God is always working. He's all, again, he's trying to form a people. And he forms that people from some unlikely places and some unlikely folks. And he wants to use us to do that. And so for us, we say, find your Marietta. Again, a corny slogan. Why do we say that? When we started, we had 47 people in our church, 30 adults and 17 kids. And we were on the square. The, what's now, if you're on the square now, it's City Church Marietta. That used to be Stonebridge. We started with just what was on the corner of Roswell and Waddell, 3,600 square feet and with 47 people from zero to however old we had. And so we felt very 
strongly. This is where God wants us to focus. Some of it is there's not very many of us, and so we can't, we, there's not a whole lot we can do. But some of it was even deeper than that. There's a spiritual sense from the Lord. Hey, this is where I've planted you. This is the ground that I've given to you. It's a long story of how we got to the square that I don't have time to share, but we felt like it was the Lord putting us there. He said, this, this, is, this is where I want you to be. And so we said, well, this is, as a church, we're going to reach out. It's going to be the square and just maybe a mile or so around the square. That'll be our Marietta. There's 60,000 people in our city. We don't have a, there's 30 of us. We don't have a shot at 60,000, much less the 750,000 in Cobb County, much less the 6 million in the metro area. Like, we, we, maybe this mile, maybe we can do that. And even that was a lot. And so that's where we started. But then we realized pretty quickly that wasn't the case for everybody. There were people who lived and worked and moved in that little radius around the square, but there were others who drove in. And they came just for an hour and a half on a Sunday. And so for them, that idea of Marietta, they're like, That's, this isn't my stomping grounds. Like, this isn't my place. This isn't where God is planting me. It's where I worship, but it's not where I do anything else. And so we started saying, well, you need to find your Marietta. Where has God planted you? And so it's important. As a church, that's one of the reasons it was such a big deal for us to move. Some of you are like, for goodness sakes, move. This place is too small. The rent's too high. Nothing works. Why, why are we here? And that was why, because it was a big deal for us to say, well, if we move, it's going to change that piece, that Marietta piece for us. We're not on the square anymore. It's only a mile away, but it's different. And you know that. It doesn't feel the same. It's different. And so there, there was a, there was a process for, for us to say, all right, or is it okay for us to relocate? Because it wasn't just physical. It was part of this, this mission piece as well. And this again, there's this recognition. Where has God planted you? We're all foreigners. We're all strangers. We're all aliens in this land. This is, none of our, this is not any of our permanent home. Our citizenship for all of us is in heaven. So we're all exiles in that sense. So where has God planted you? That's the question. That's your Marietta and your you are responsible to seek the welfare of that place. Again, not to burn it down and not to withdraw from it, but to actively seek what's best for that plot of dirt where God has planted you. A lot of times we hear this idea of, of place, we think of moving overseas. And there's some people who do that, but it's, it's, about, it's less than 1%. For most of us, wherever you are, that's where God has planted you. A few things you can think about. One is very literally. There are people in our church, and they would say, the, the place where God has called me to do these good works, it's on Delk Road. And it's not all of Delk Road. It's where Delk Road and 75 hit, and just, just a little bit of real estate right around that. They could even name the hotels. These are the ones that God has called us to work with. This is the property where God has, has given to us. Russell and Megan, many of you know them. They were part of our church, and they've started a church very specifically. Dwell at 750. That's the address on Franklin Gateway. That's, that's their land, just this apartment complex. Dwell at 750 on Franklin Gateway. And that may be it for you. When you're thinking, it, it, when you pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it really slowly this week, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you hit that word earth, 
I want you to go really slow. And what comes to your mind? When you say that big word, earth, what is it specifically that comes to mind? If it's that picture of the earth from space, not the most helpful. Go slower. That's too much. On earth, where, is the, where have you planted me? For some of you, it's not a place on a map. It's a group of people. A guy in our church started a Bible study for uh, football players for, from Osborne High School. He doesn't have a kid at Osborne High School. He doesn't, he doesn't teach it. He's not a teacher. He's a community coach. But he said, that, that's it. When I'm thinking about the kingdom coming, it's in this group of young men. A woman in our church who says it's women who've had miscarriages or stillbirths. That's her Marietta, if that's you, she's coming after you. She's going to do her best to take care of you. It may be a group of people for some of you, more so than a geographic place. And then this is nebulous. There are these, we call them the walls of the city from Isaiah 58, 12. You'll be a rebuilder, a restorer of broken walls. A guy named Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, uh, he, he labeled, identified these seven areas of influence. He called them mountains. These seven areas of influence in any city, not necessarily in a small town, but in any city, you have these seven institutions that exercise influence, that shape a community. The government slash court system, the church with a capital C, the family, education, business, science, or excuse me, healthcare and technology, arts and culture. And for some of you, when you're thinking of the kingdom coming, that's what you think and kind of that Again, it's a bit nebulous way. You're thinking of that. You're thinking of our schools. Or you're thinking of, again, the, some, maybe you think of things like foster, the, the foster system and, and how that impacts the family. It can be easy at that point to conflate what you do for a living with the place where God has called you to. I would encourage you to separate those. You may get back there, but don't start there. Just because you're a teacher doesn't necessarily mean that Education is the place where God is calling you to kind of do your good works. Maybe, but not necessarily. I just don't want you to short-circuit the process. Again, that's, that, those seven things can be a bit nebulous, and if they're not helpful, you can forget about them. But for some people, that actually really stirs their heart. They think in terms of those structures or those institutions, and it does motivate and stir them. So, again, wherever that is, Whatever your Marietta is, your responsibility is to seek the welfare of that place. How do you do it? Jeremiah 29, 7 says you pray. That's where you start. You pray. That's called intercession when you're asking God to work outside of yourself in, in, the, in the lives of somebody else. And those are marathon prayers. This is years and decades prayers. You're asking God to work sometimes in hearts that are resistant and in structures that are resistant to him. These are long-term prayers. One of the reasons we do a prayer walk every month is because this is now where God has planted us. And so we start by saying, all right, let's walk through North St. Mary's. God, what are you doing here? Let's walk through James Street. Let's walk through the Oaks. Let's walk down to Kennesaw. Let's walk over here by Session Stand in Lewis Park. God, what are you doing in this neighborhood? You put us here. So how do you want to use us here? What does it look like for us to be a good neighbor to these folks? That's why we ask you to do a prayer walk once a month, wherever it is that God has planted you. We start with prayer. We don't come in as crusaders saying, we know what's best. We come in saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you at work? Where, 
Where, where do you want to be at work? Where are people resisting? Where's the enemy wreaking havoc? How do you want to use us? And in our minds, we're thinking mustard seeds, not trees. What are the small acts of love and obedience in this place where you have planted us that over time will produce a harvest? And you're asking the same things. What are the things I can do with these, this, these 70 ninth through 12th grade football players? What are the things I can do on Delk Road with this particular group of women and their children? What are the things I can do on at the, the apartments that dwell with the folks who, the, what, are the, what, what is it? Maybe the people on your Alta team. Maybe your kids' school. I, I don't know. Where is God calling you? And then you begin to pray. And then you do whatever the good works are. You just begin to do those things in that place, trusting the Lord to use those things over time. I don't think that you are thinking this, but just to be clear, like nobody's getting famous Nobody's getting in the paper. That's not what we're doing. We're not trying to, we're not intentionally saying, here's what's broken in our city and we're going to fix it. We're not doing that. What we're saying is, God, you've, you've planted us here. You call us salt and light. You're forming a people and you're establishing a kingdom and you do that through the church. And I'm a part of that. So there's something that you want to do through me in the place where you've planted me. It goes beyond just writing a check and showing up on a Sunday. Those things are important, but it goes beyond that. What are the good works that you decided before you even made me that you said, hey, when I make it, that, that's going to be it. And I'm going to form him, form him and shape him. So he's gonna, those things are going to produce fruit, not for his sake, but for the sake of those around him. Some concrete next steps. I know those, that's hard. It's hard to begin to get your mind around some of those things. And again, I'm hesitating to give you too many more specifics because I don't want you to gravitate to any of that before you do kind of that, the work of trying to discover on your own. If you really are hitting a stumbling block, reach out. Because kind of my deal is I help people figure out theirs. I'll help you move forward. That's what I'll do. That's kind of my thing is I help people move forward in whatever area of life people get stuck. That's why I teach the way I teach. That's why there's always a practical application. This is always what I'm doing, is trying to help people grow and move forward. And you've got something just like that as well, and we want to help you discover that. So some practical things. On Tuesday the 23rd, we have this thing. We used to call it Mighty Men, and we got pushback. That's actually in the Bible, but now it's Mighty Men and Women. So it's from David had 30 Mighty Men. There were no women in the group, so we called it Mighty Men. But it didn't go over very well. People thought it was a men's. We had guys show up and say, is this a men's ministry? And we said no. So relabeling mighty men and women. Women were always included and they always came. And we want you to. So this is a place for two things. If you feel like, hey, I know what God's calling me to and I'm doing it. I could use some encouragement. Then we want you to show up. And you'll get 30 seconds. That's it to share. And you say, this is where I'm, th this is what I'm doing. And this is where, I, this is. Maybe where I'm struggling or this is a question I have. And then we'll take some time to pray for you. And that's the second group. There are people, their deal is to encourage others and to pray for others. And this is a place where we can get them together. I thought I saw, I thought I saw Nori come in. I don't know. I was thinking about her. Yep. She comes almost every month or every time we have it. It's faithful to come and say, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing yoga from a Christian perspective. Y'all just pray for me. 
And hopefully it's, she keeps coming back, so I think it must be encouraging. And we have other people who come every week and they ne- or every time and they never share. All they do is pray. And that, that's the point of that. It's about the lowest bar. And if you're thinking, I don't even know where to start, come. And what you can say is, I would really like to know what the good works are that God's created for me to do, and I don't have a clue. And we'll pray with you about that. There won't be any pressure for you to, to leave with something written down. We'll just pray for God to speak to you. So that's mighty men and women, and we would love for you to come. Um, we do an internship. We're about, we do it twice a year. We're about to start our second round. This is really for people who feel uh, maybe they're trying to discern a calling into church planting, into church work, whether that's leading worship or working with students or kids or doing what I do, or uh, long-term missions. So if that's you, then we would invite you, and you've been, you've been here for six months. We'd like you to be here for six months first. Then apply for that internship. It's part-time, probably 15 or 20 hours a week. It pays a little bit just to help offset the time that you're giving to it. But it, it does seem to produce fruit for people. It's usually we have two to four people who do it every semester, and we would love for you to do that. We have a podcast, which is other people from this church saying, here's... Here's my deal, and here's how I'm doing it. Super encouraging. You can link to that. Uh, We're restarting something we did probably five or six years ago. We have a pool of money set aside. If you're feeling like, man, there's this thing, and I feel like this is what God is calling me to, I just, I don't have the resources to pull it together. We're not giving you $50,000. Like, if that's it, so we can help you with some thousands, but not that many, or some hundreds or some thousands, and we're happy to do that. There's no strings. There's no strings. We, again, for some people, that is the final obstacle. I don't have, I, I don't have the resources to take that next step to get this thing off the ground, and so we want to help you do that. And again, when there's a little group, and they'll talk with you. Not, it's not Shark Tank or any. I don't want you to feel that way <laughs> that you're trying to, and you're not doing that. We want, you, we want to do everything we can as a church to help everyone in our church discover and then do those good works. And so if finance is an obstacle, we want to try to address that. So again, these are, these are just some things that you can do, some concrete next steps, because I know it, it can be, if you're earnest and you say, I actually want, I want to live out my Ephesians 2.10, I don't know where to start. It can get very frustrating. And some of you have been there. You've been frustrated. When I talk about this, you're like, I don't even stop. I don't know what to do. And I feel guilty every time. And that's not our intention, and that's not our desire. We don't want anybody feeling burdened or guilty. These are, to me, these are, these are um, this is God saying to you as your father, arm around you, hey, this is what I'm doing. This, this is, and, and this is how you get to participate with that. It's an invitation to participate with the God of the universe, who's also your father and the work that he's doing in the place where he has planted you. Most likely, the things that are stirring your heart the most, the people that you love, the things that you care about, that's where he's wanting you to work. That's why those things are stirring you at that level. We just need to make some of those connections with him. For many, it's just reframing what you're already doing. And recognizing, hey, there's a divine purpose to this. There's something kingdom. Or, or with this, just with this element, just this shift, then this thing that I'm already doing becomes a kingdom endeavor and not just 
me. It can be as simple. A friend of mine, hit, we did this with him several years ago, several, several years ago. And kind of where he landed, he didn't necessarily love it. He's like, I just encourage people. Like, what is that? What is that? And then he began to see. He coaches soccer for two of his kids. And he's like, oh, I do it with those girls. And his, where he manages at work, he tends to get people straight out of college. And he's like, oh, I do it with them. I'm helping them figure out how to work and how to be adults, how to, how to move forward. And then he began to put those pieces together and realize these things that he was already doing, if he just injected into that a recognition, this is how God wants to use me, maybe be a bit more intentional around prayer and some of those conversations. It's stuff he was already doing that he saw as it was just him. And then when you begin to recognize, no, this is a gift that God has given you. This is how he wants to use you. To He's trying to form these groups of people and he's placed these people around you and he's given you influence with them. They're not listening to me. They're giving you influence. And I coached with him. They weren't listening to me. Like I'm saying that honestly. <laughs> they listened to him. And for him, well, that's just who he is. No, that's who God made you to be. If you can just begin to see that. And I want you to see that. I don't want any, again, I don't want anybody, I'm going to stop. I don't want you to feel guilty, and I don't want you to feel burdened. But I want you to recognize the invitation and the opportunity. And it's for y'all in middle school, just as much as it is for John. It's been a long time since he's been in middle school. And everybody in between, we all have opportunities. All right, let's pray. This is what I want you to think about. I don't want you to try to come up with an answer so you have an answer. If I were to say, what's your deal? Can you, don't, again, don't just try to come up with something. Do you have an answer? And if the answer is no, I, I don't know. If that's what you would say, then let's begin to ask the Lord. And would you just be willing to do that in your heart? It's not trouble, but I'm going to pray it this way. God, if you went through the trouble, and it wasn't, but if you went through the trouble to prepare good works beforehand for me to walk in, I'd like to know what they are. So would you show me? Would you speak to me in a way that I can understand? God, my prayer for everyone who would say, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I pray you'd give them eyes to see. My sense is that many of them are already, they're engaged in these things. They're just not seeing them as kingdom endeavors yet. Would you open our eyes to see how you're already working through us? And when we hear you, calling us if there's new ways that you want to work through us. If you already know your Nori or whoever you already know, then you can pray something like this. God, continue to use me to bless and to serve and to love others. Use me. Work through me to form a people for yourself, not for me, a people for yourself. And work through me to establish your kingdom, not mine, your rule and reign, not mine. 
here as it is in heaven. Second question, what's your Marietta? You may have just moved here, so you're going, I don't know. I don't even know the name of my street yet. What's your Marietta? Where has God planted you? Some of you, there may be a moving component, but that's a very small percentage. Is it a place on a map? Is it a group of people? Is it one of those seven institutions? Can you answer that question? Then you see how those things fit together. The good works are done in your Marietta. If you don't know, God, would you show me? Would you give me eyes to see the land that you've given to me? The field that you want me to cultivate? God, I pray for all of us that we would be burdened by that sense of place. We could not pray. God, we want to see everybody in our community having the opportunity in their own heart language to hear the good news of Jesus. The good news of a king and his kingdom. We want them to be able to experience his rule and his reign that they would know just the way we know that he reigns above it all. That our God, this Jesus, reigns. So however you want to use us, would you? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 